On this episode of Water Flying, we are discussing seaplane wheel maintenance tips and tricks. You're listening to Water Flying, a weekly podcast to bring you all things seaplanes. I'm Steve McCoy, the Executive Director of the Seaplane Pilots Association. And I'm Abby Kellett, Assistant to the Executive Director at the Seaplane Pilots Association, and I'm also a flight instructor in seaplanes. The Seaplane Pilots Association is committed to protecting and promoting water flying. We achieve this by working to maintain and expand waterway access. We promote seaplane safety, create educational programs, produce the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community, and we create exciting seaplane events. We want to continue to improve this podcast, and we encourage your feedback. Feel free to reach out to us if there is anything you would like to hear in future episodes. So thanks for listening. Let's jump right in. Well, welcome back to another episode of Waterflying. Today, we are joined by Chris Shannon, who does the maintenance on my Amphibious Super Cup. Thank you very much, Chris. You're welcome, Steve. So we are going to discuss Amphibious Seaplane Wheel Maintenance Tips and Tricks. And this is coming from probably one of the premier maintenance facilities in the world that I know of for seaplanes. They do a lot of freshwater and saltwater uh, seaplane maintenance and do a great variety of aircraft. They were initially known for their lake amphibian maintenance capabilities, but they've really grown far beyond that. So, Chris, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having us, Steve. So, before we dive into today's topic, let's uh, kind of get our listeners up to speed if they haven't heard of the premier seaplane maintenance facility uh, known as Amphibians Plus. Uh, let's uh, just get them up to speed on what the background of Amphibians Plus and yourself is and, and why you may know a thing or two about seaplane wheel care. Uh, big picture, third generation seaplane pilot mechanic. Uh, my father's Harry Shannon from Amphibians Plus. He started it about 26 years ago, 27 years ago. Uh, I've been back working for him. I did it all growing up, but had to go do my own thing and back working for him. January will be 18 years. Wow, that's amazing. 18 years experience. And how many people are in the shop right now? Uh, there are five people on the shop, and I'm the second lowest seniority guy there. <laughs> there you go. And you have 18 years. And I have 18 years. Wow, that's uh, unbelievable. I, I know that I never cease to be amazed when I go over to the shop how many aircraft are in there and the variety of aircraft. And, and literally the state's of maintenance that you're doing from taking skins off yep. of caravan floats and replacing the full skins cubs to caravans and everything in between we we do it oh that's that's amazing so uh today we're gonna try to inform amphibious seaplane pilots owners and operators uh a little bit about uh better care of their wheels and their bearings so when should i guess the the, the hundred thousand dollar question is when should a seaplane owner grease his or her bearings in a perfect world before you go do water operations and after you do water operations now if you're doing water operations all day you don't have to do it every stop but at the beginning of your day at the end of your day if you want the longevity of your bearings, that's going to be the way to get it. Wow, yeah. So I don't know very many people that actually do it with that frequency. I try, um, but I'm quite honestly guilty as everyone else. I, yeah. I probably don't do it enough. Oh, yeah. Everybody gets complacent with it, and very few people really do do it that way. But we do have a few customers that do do that, and they'll get five, six, seven years of bearing wear. 
you know, not That's a lot people. longer than I'm getting. <laughs> Most people do not. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, it, and it's just that little bit of extra time. That's right. It, whether you take the time to do it or you pay us to change your bearings and leave them once a year, that's what it's going to boil down to. Okay. So uh, tip uh, or trick number one is when should you uh, grease your bearings of your seaplane and basically before and after every flight if you can. So uh, let's talk a little bit of the difference. A lot of the aircraft that you deal with here in Florida are used for saltwater operations. So what are the different considerations that a pilot or operator may want to have, you know, when they're the difference between freshwater operations and saltwater operations? How should they treat these differently? Um, I mean, the bases are very similar, but the, the saltwater, just everything you do for your freshwater, you just have to do more of it. As far as the greasing before and after, yet again, that's another longevity thing. And washing and flushing, freshwater washing, freshwater flushing. And that doesn't count just landing in the lake and lowering your gear and cycling the gear a few times in a freshwater. That helps, but that's not a freshwater flush. Yeah, and and I think that's one of the, you know, we've had operators like Mark Futch uh, going back uh, historically that operated almost exclusively in salt water. You look at the Tropic Ocean guys. Uh, again, yep. wash down, wash as much, wash fresh, and grease <laughs> as much fresh water as you can put on there. Yeah. Okay. So which type of, uh, grease, uh, should seaplane pilots use on their bearings? We look at grease kind of like soap where I don't care what kind you use as long as you're using it you can come to our shop and I've got a wall of grease guns with probably 10 different grease guns with 10 different types of grease just off a list. You know, some of them luber plate. Chevron Ultra Duty, uh, Green Grease, uh, Retinex, now Gaddis, um, Super Lube, Chevron Black Pearl, Mystic Blue, Mystic Green, Dubois, just a variety of greases. But whatever kind you use, just use it frequently. So is there anyone that you tend to like? I think I'm using lithium grease in mine right now. We we recommend or we used our go-to is the Lubriprate lithium grease. It's uh, a carryover from Harry's days in the oil patch. That's what they used on all the amphibs there. So it just sticks with it. It's been working that long, and it is still working. Yeah, and I know there's some greases that might break down here in Florida with the heat and the temperature. Uh, um, yeah, the, the, the Chevron Ultra Duty, which is a, a red base grease that a lot of aircraft have. In the summertime in Florida, you'll see puddles of grease kind of coming out of your wheel. And a lot of time people suspect as a hydraulic leak or a brake leak or something. But it's just the, the heat of the grease in the summertime, if it sits, it breaks down. Wow. Okay. So again, what, which, which one is that that we want to be careful of in uh, hot that, operations? That The one that I, we see it the most with on that one is the Chevron Ultra okay. Duty. Uh, but I, I've seen other greases do it, but that one is just, it's one of the more popular greases. So we see it frequently. Yeah. It just seems like the lithium is a lot more pasty. Yep. And it keeps that, and, uh, vis, that real viscosity. thick viscosity a lot and, better. And a lot of the newer greases now are um, a synthetic blend where you can mix them and have the a lithium and mineral base. Okay. Or, or mineral base. So what do you, that, that's, that opens up the next question I had was, what do you recommend as far as can pilots or owner operators mix greases? And if they do, what are some of the things that may or may not work with that? I mean, not using any grease is worse than mixing the grease. But if you do end up mixing greases, a mineral base and lithium base, excuse me, based grease tend to break each other down over time. It's not going to be an immediate event. As soon as you put in the grease, it'll still work fine. But some of the newer greases, like I say, that are synthetic, the like the the green grease specifically, is a a, a grease that's a synthetic that can mix with either mineral or lithium based greases, and it's super sticky. It maintains its viscosity. It's it's a good product. 
So, but if you're out in the islands, say uh, uh, the Bahamas for a couple of weeks at a time, and you want to make sure that you are greasing your bearings, um, if you do have to mix them, when you get back to your home base, it might be a good idea to take the wheels off, clean the grease out, and re-grease them from scratch. Yeah, or, I mean, even if you went made it to your next annual, it's not going to, that year-long process, it will start two on the end, but you could make it to the annual, and it would still be okay. Awesome. Okay. So... How much grease should one put in a wheel? Because I think people probably mis- miscalculate this one. Well, um, we personally like to fill the wheel cavity with grease. And it you do that, it takes about a tube of grease on a main gear wheel. The nose wheels are a little bit less, smaller cavity. But if the grease is there, you can't capture water. And it allows you to have a solid base of grease. And if the more grease you have in there, the less of a cavity for water to get tra- trapped and, and cause corrosion or erosion on your bearings and races. Yeah, so I think that's the, the that's a huge takeaway is you really want to fill the entire cavity within the wheel. Right. So there is no place for water to come in and occupy, especially if it's salt water. Especially if it's salt water. And there is some considerations when doing this, though. So how do you know that the wheel cavity is actually full, that there is no void. Well, when you're, when you're doing your greasing and you're greasing the wheel bearings, um, they make a, uh, the aspect of having an exit port. If you look on a lot of the float planes, they have the press-in seals on the wheels that have a little screw in it with a hole drilled in it. You take that screw out, as you're greasing it, you'll see the grease coming out. And you want to pump until you've filled the cavity and have good, clean grease coming out. Uh, some of the other styles have a sealed bearing where the seal is built into the bearing. It's a rubber seal. We use a dental pick and give it a release point. You can pop the edge out of the bearing, of the bearing seal from the wheel and fold it back. And then that acts as the same concept as the, uh, as the hole that's into the seal. Um, some manufacturers also have started, or have for quite a while, actually, they, they seal the cavity with a, with a device inside. So you don't have to carry as much of the grease around, but it's got a, um, a plastic seal in between the wheel halves with an o-ring seal so that water can't get into the end half of the wheel yeah that's awesome okay and uh if you take a a, a screw out or if you take one of these co- these rubber covers off of uh where the exit points are um you need to make sure you put it back on yes you get it back or you, or you will have a really messy wheel and a place for water to get into there you go so um so what uh, while you're down there, uh, so let's say we're doing what we should be doing, which is before and after every flight, uh, greasing our, our bearings and getting our grease gun and crawling around under the, the airplane and getting this done. What else should we be doing when we're down there? Uh, it's a great opportunity. There are several, most gears have several other grease certs in the gear area as far as trailing beams and pivot points and things that have a grease cert that you should put a grease gun on those fittings to save you, get you longevity on your maintenance and amphib maintenance there as well. It also gives you a great opportunity to look at everything. Look for hoses, for break, uh, kinks in hoses, brake wear, um, wear, leaks, anything there while you're doing your invasive species. I was going to say invasive species. There you go. You know, when, <laughs> I didn't when, even have to cue that one. When, so. <laughs> so, so it's a great, you know, it's a great time to be, it, to be looking at other things when you're not trying to, when you're not worried about, okay, I'm trying to go get the, go out to get to my fishing hole or I'm going fly and go do those things. But just the opportunity to, you're doing something that gives you the idea of you're going to be looking at what you need to be doing anyway. So you can see if something else is going on. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is one of your probably most potential failure points in an amphibious airplane are your wheels, your brakes, uh, your tires, things like that. So this is a really important 
point on your pre-flights and on your inspections because you're going to keep yourself from getting stuck on a runway or a taxiway somewhere in yep. Lake Faraway or, exactly. or Airport Faraway. Right. So uh, um, that's that's really important, the inspection uh, process. So uh, how long can a seaplane operator expect? I mean, is there is there any normal expectation for how long uh, seaplane operators' wheel bearings uh, should last before they need replacing? And what are some of the factors – uh, that they should consider when they actually do the replacement of their wheel bearings? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> it's got no real specific answer. Um, the We see bearings that go from last six months to bearings, like I mentioned earlier, that last just six, seven years. It all depends on how much greasing and lubing you're doing. Um, if you don't want to lube your bearings throughout the year, chances are you're going to replace, replace bearings annually. It's just common practice. Not common practice, but it's just a situation that you'll get to. If you lube your gear, the more you lube your wheel, the more you lube your bearings, the longer you'll get out of them. Yeah, and so this is for a non-owner operator that may be considering purchasing an Amphib seaplane. Um, they probably haven't experienced what they can, or they don't know what to expect as far as replacing bearings, how much it costs, how much labor is involved. Again, uh, there's a lot of things that the owner operator can do to extend the life of the bearings. Right. But the bottom line is, is we are putting bearings in water and it's not the best environment right. for what we're doing exactly. mechanically. Yeah. It's, it's just trying to, it's trying to. We're fighting the odds. Yes. <laughs> so, it's trying to freeze it up. So we're doing everything we can to make sure that this fails by operating the bearings the way we operate them in the exactly. conditions that we do it in. But for a, a non-owner operator that may be considering buying a seaplane, um, a, a, an amphibious seaplane, how much can they expect to pay for bearing replacement? And that would be bearing costs, labor costs, things like that. Um if you do it in conjunction with the annual, it's about an extra half hour or so when the wheel's off, depending on some of those wheels that have those the uh, the internal seals built into them. Sometimes you have to split the wheel to get the bearing out, but that's not every case. So you could end up, it could be about an hour there. But on average, you're going to be, if you have to do bearings mid-time, you're an hour to an hour and a half. And anywhere from, I'm going to say, 40 bucks for a bearing and race up to, you know, they make some chrome-plated ones that you can spend $160, $180 per bearing and race set so anywhere from four to six hundred dollars you know for a set of bearings so do the chrome bearings really last longer we've had some saltwater operators that swore by them and but they were also the kind of guys that did the i lube before i lube after if it's been sitting a week or two weeks for you know the owners out of town i'm gonna go and lube again and they got the longevity out of them how much of that was the chrome bearing versus their mentality and the chrome bearings I know are getting pretty hard to find. Yeah. Why is that? Uh, they're just not being sold in the U.S. from what I've heard. I think the last time I had to find a set of them, we got them from France. Wow. So it's Timken just isn't supporting or com- continuing to make the U.S. division of chrome bearings. Wow, that's uh, interesting because it's uh, it's been pretty common in years gone by uh, yeah. to have chrome bearings. So are there any particular manufacturers that may last longer? Any advice on inexpensive bearings versus just Timken bearings? I mean, Timken yeah. bearings is pretty much what is used across the board. So and, you don't have much of a choice. Right. I mean, and, and it's good. And their price point is pretty fair. None of them are, you know, outrageous, you know, until you, some of the, like the chrome plated ones are, but they they're still reasonably price bearings 
So five or six hundred dollars for a, a set of bearings. A set of bearings, and how much you know? How does the complexity vary between a Super Cub and a Caravan, or a Super Cub and a one eighty five? Are uh, they pretty much the same? The, the the steps are pretty much the same. It's you know, it takes a little bit more to jack a Caravan than it does, but you can do one wheel at a time than a Super Cub. But if you're trying to do them all, you'd certainly want to just try and get it up on blocks and knock them all out. But it it's the the ste- steps are the same. It's just a different number of. Uh, of steps on the caravan because you have four main wheels versus the just the two. So, <laughs> I, you know, a normal bearing replacement is only going to be five or six hundred dollars based on the fact that everything is good in condition. What are some of the issues that can complicate uh, the replacement of bearings? And um, this probably goes back to the heart of uh, our the the very first discussion point. Yes, <laughs> frozen bearings and races. Uh, I have seen times where an airplane come in and the the the, uh, the the bearing is frozen to the axle. I mean, just you have to take it off with a rivet gun and a punch set, and just you you free it up and you know penetrant oil and trying to beat it off and come off and dress the the axle. A couple of times had to do something with an axle, an axle replacement, just from that there. Not very very frequently, but. It is a possibility. So the more you grease, the less other issues you can end up with. I would imagine that the bearings that last a year are more likely to seize than the ones and harder to de- to remove than the ones that have been on for five years because if they've been on for five years, they've probably main- been maintained better. Correct. Okay, so you can save yourself some money by, once again, going back to the, the very <laughs> part of the discussion, which the is the more you grease. Um, so let's touch on a couple of other issues that amphibious seaplane pilots can experience regarding the gear. Um, how about the dreaded amphibious float nose gear shimmy? <laughs> um, it could be, you know, going back to staying with the bearings, it could be loose bearings that are causing that. If you don't have enough bearing preload, you can have a shimmy. You could have a, a low tire pressure. If you have very too low of a tire pressure, sometimes you can get into a shimmy. Um, you can try varying your pressure by, you know, three pound increments and see if you can get that to, to help. That's not always the case, but it's something that if you're somewhere where you don't have any kind of maintenance resources somewhere to, and you're getting a shimmy, those are things at least you can, little things you can do you in can the meantime. Try. Right. Yeah. So, um, I know, uh, one of the things that I've wanted to do that we've discussed is I don't carry currently a spare main gear wheel or a spare nose gear wheel and I'd like to have one all made up and actually carry an extra tire and tube in addition to yep. that. Uh, I do carry a, a portable uh, uh, air pump yep. yeah, to, to pump up my tires to keep them inflated correctly. But, you know, my you just picture being in the Bahamas or being somewhere really remote and I'm stuck on a runway and now I have no tire. Um, just having the ability to jack the float up and replace the wheel yep. and be on your way makes life so much simpler. Yeah, and you can do it with you know minimal amount of tools if you're stuck in the yeah. in the islands. You know, if you a very basic toolkit, you can have a wheel off and back on in no time at all. So, but yeah, a lot of our customers do carry those. We uh, a lot of our caravan operators maintain exactly as you say a main wheel, a nose wheel, and then an additional set of tires and tubes for those wheels, so that if they do have to change them, they build up the other one right away, so they still have a spare. 
Yeah. And that's something, again, on my list, I, I have my uh, Don't Leave Home Without It uh, kit. And uh, one of the things that is missing that will be done, uh, we'll make that my New Year's resolution, right. is that uh, we order that today. Yeah. So <laughs> that'll be great. So uh, how about uh, some uh, tricks for pilots that are ramping on shorelines that are not necessarily paved? Um, a lot of time. We have uh, a couple of friends and customers that have um, undeveloped ramping issues into their into the pad in their yard or they have a hangar at their house. And they lower the tire pressure down so they don't get stuck because you're going, if you're going into a, a softer sand area or an unknown developed um, beaching area. Just give yourself some more surface area. It gives yourself a bigger footprint. You know, yeah. you can go up and you don't get stuck. And if you, if you maintain the, the normal correct tire pressure for that situation, he would go in and get stuck every time. Yeah, so you don't need the 30-inch Super Cub monster tires, uh, but just lowering the pressure really is going to increase the surface area enough that it might make it, uh, of course, if it's super sandy, it it might not do you any good. Correct. It's not not a guarantee, but it certainly doesn't hurt. Yeah. And it's another thing, if you are, it's something you need to do to the situation. If you're not always going in there, running running a lower tire pressure long-term, you'll wear out your tires a little bit faster. But if you need it, it's a good option. Yeah, so if you know you're going someplace that may have a, a shoreline that's conducive but may be soft, right. uh, it might be a good idea to, to lower that tire pressure. Right. Take and, 5, 10 PSI out. You know, you don't want to go much more than that, but you know, you could certainly take 10 PSI out. A little out. softer than normal. Right. Wow, that's great. Uh, so uh, what are some of the uh, new seaplane wheel developments that are coming up on the horizon? Is there any new technology or any new, you know, new stuff that pilots should be aware of? Um, yeah, they have got um, both Aeroset and Whip have various versions of an oil bath wheel that uh, I haven't seen a lot of them out in the field yet, but I know they are out there um, that basically bathe the, uh, the bearings in an oil. And I mean, just regular motor oil in one of them is 15W50 oil. So it doesn't heat, it doesn't uh, respond to the heat as much as the the grease would. So because it, it's made to get hot mm-hmm. and it doesn't break down and it stays there and it's a sealed oil bath. So you essentially get no water there, and it's sealed from both directions and they last really really well. Oh, that's a great development. Uh, I I don't know if they'll ever retrofit the older floats like mine, but right. yeah, uh, same thing with our lakes. You know, it's it's not a high target point for retrofitting. <laughs> yeah. so. Well, uh, so, uh, you know, this is a a great, great discussion, and I I hope that we can really continue doing more maintenance talks like this because these are expensive aircraft to own and operate, and uh, anything we can do to cut down on the cost of owner operation uh, is great. And there's so many, there's so much tribal knowledge in seaplanes. I deal with it every day as as being the director of the organization. And from a maintenance side, I'm very leery to take a seaplane of mine to anyone that's not an experienced seaplane mechanic or or facility because it's so nuanced and there's so much tribal knowledge in all of this. And, you know, and we see that a lot. We get tons of phone calls of that. Hey, I've, I've got a lake. I've got this caravan or this 185 float plane. And how do we do this? What's going on with this? And, you know, we're there to support and help as much as we can. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I think that's one of the things if, uh, you know, if you probably haven't heard of Amphibians Plus, uh, either you're up in Alaska, potentially, uh, or you just haven't maybe been around the seaplane community a lot, because I know that you guys are incredibly active, especially in the Lake Amphibian community, where your reputation was built. 
but again, uh, I see caravans in there. I see turbine malls in there. Of course, my airplane, my Super Cub's in there. You've got, I know, Roger Olson's 185. I mean, we could go on and on and on uh, with all the aircraft that I know probably exclusively use you guys as much as possible for their maintenance. Yep. We try to facilitate and do everything we can. Yeah, it's awesome. And I mean, you guys we are, are human, we, but we do everything we can to make it right and keep it right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, and, you know, so what I really appreciate, too, is is you guys don't hold any punches back. If it needs to be done, you'll kind of let the owner know, uh, look, this may be painful, um, but it's not as painful as the alternative of not doing it. Yeah. And I, yeah. that, that takes a mechanic that, that's willing to do that sometimes, yeah. especially there, with the seaplane. And there are and there are things that you can that don't always have to be addressed but need or need to be looked at but you, the big things you always have to do yeah so let's uh take a review of some of our most important key takeaways from today's discussion on amphibious seaplane wheel and bearing maintenance because there's i think it comes down to just a couple of things that are really really important here uh, invest in a grease gun oh, absolutely and use it often consider carrying it with you they make a lot of these greases have the uh, smaller, I want to say it's a three-ounce tube or whatever that you can, it's a little pistol grip handheld grease gun that you could fit a couple of cartridges with you in a small bag with a small box and easily fit in a float locker even on a cub and take it with you and just grease everything you hand. Yeah, and you guys have a great saying uh, that uh, I, I'd like to kind of explain a little bit further. So tip number one, invest in a grease gun, use it often, and consider carrying it with you. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, apply a sailor's mentality. Explain that because I think that's, uh, I, I just love that kind of mindset that, that is present at your shop. Well, that, that goes back to that sailor's mentality that if, if something's not right, you know, in a storm, you're going to be out of luck. You know, do it before, do it after, get everything prepared and ready for the worst situation. And doing that greasing beforehand and afterhand is that sailor's mentality and doing the prep work. And when you're done with it, wash it, clean it, make it right. Yeah, I know, again, going back to Mark Futch, uh, you know, his airplane literally sat on a lift above salt water here in Florida, which mm-hmm. was one of the worst scenarios you could ever have for a seaplane, uh, especially a mall yeah. <laughs> yeah. of all airplanes being steel tube airplane. Yep. But he would just go around and he would have socks of grease and on all the fittings yep. and, and he had such a discipline. and That's it. Uh, yeah. And again, he was a sailor. He was a, uh, had a boating uh, heritage. Yep. So that same mentality. So okay. Uh, so uh, takeaway number two: apply a sailor's mentality. Take the time to care for your airplane, to inspect your airplane, grease it before and after every flight. Um, do the proper preparation, just like your pre-flight planning for any yep. flight. Uh, maintaining the airplane is a part yep. of that Absolutely. of that routine. Yep. So. And, and like we were saying earlier, it gives you the great opportunity to look for a situation that you could prevent a failure down the road yeah. when, when you're out in Where far, you're wherever, far away. Exactly. <laughs> so, so okay, number three, the the number three top uh, important takeaway from today's discussion on on Phoebe Seaplane wheel and bearing maintenance. Um, if your wheels are clean, <laughs> you're not greasing enough or often enough, and. And clean, you can clean, but if you come back from a trip and you've been doing landings and you've you've spun the wheels and you don't have a little bit of grease sling, there's not enough grease. If they're not throwing grease out of them when you're when you're on the runway, then that's it. There's probably not enough in them. And I know there are a lot of owners out there that are cringing. Oh, I got to have the clean wheels, but 
the clean wheels that we see, I replace a lot of bearings. So, <laughs> so there you have it. So, uh, number three, the most important, and I would say the most important takeaway from today's episode, if your wheels are clean, you're not greasing enough or often enough. Uh, if they're not slinging grease, then there's not enough in it. And we always... I use the same analogy with ACF 50. If it's not dripping out of your airplane everywhere, out of every crevice, there's probably not enough ACF 50 in the airplane in the first place. That's it. So, uh, Chris, how can the listeners uh, who have may have some questions, uh, you know, to further uh, carry on this discussion about uh, wheel bearing maintenance or any questions about seaplane maintenance, uh, how can they get a hold of your team at Amphibians Plus for more information? Uh, you can go to the website, amphibiansplus.com. Uh, we have an email, amphibsplus at gmail.com, or you can reach us by phone, 863 534 and if you want to bring your airplane or you're considering bringing your airplane down to the shop in Bartow, Florida, uh, you may want to make sure that you schedule it in advance. Yes, <laughs> the schedule is always pretty full and we do everything we can, but it is a full schedule. Chris Shannon, thank you so much for taking time uh, with us today to talk about this subject because uh, little subjects add up to big things in the end. That's it. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, I, I hope we can continue more, as I mentioned, uh, maintenance discussions on how owner operators can save money, uh, and prepare for less, uh, extensive annuals potentially by just doing regular maintenance and, uh, uh, giving their airplanes the proper care that they deserve. So um, I'd like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Water Flying. Uh, please, if you like these episodes, as 35 listeners or 35,000 listeners and counting have uh, done so far, if you like these episodes, you can go back and listen to the large catalog. They're published every Wednesday at 6 a.m. Eastern Time. So you can like and subscribe to the water flying podcast please share it with your friends that may have an interest in seaplanes as well uh, we want to grow the the listener base and continue to provide a very informative uh, podcast for you the seaplane community and thank you guys so much fly safe fly often and uh, take care my friends we are so glad you joined us today if you like today's show I highly encourage you to join the Seaplane Pilots Association and become a member of the largest seaplane community in the world. Members receive Water Flying, the only full-color glossy magazine dedicated to the seaplane community. And it's available in both printed and digital form. Your membership also includes access to the Water Landing Directory app, which has the Seaplane Flight School directory and a calendar of seaplane events, not only here in the United States, but around the world. The association hosts regular educational workshops, safety seminars, and gatherings for seaplane pilots and anyone with a passion for seaplanes. So look us up online at seaplanes.org, join our community, and support our mission of protecting and promoting water flying.